0: If you would, open your Bibles. if You've already got it out because Shannon was there. We're going to be in Romans 12. And in Romans 12, I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. But while you're turning there, know that this book, uh, this chapter of Romans, it all fits together. You know, we say it conduit. If you take the text out of the context, all you're left with is a con, right? So verses 1 and 2 of Romans is the, the famous, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, acceptable being transformed, right? Uh, Conformed not to this world, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will know what his will for your life is. That's verses one and two. And and what's his will for your life? Verses three through eight, the seven gifts of the spirit that are there, the power of those seven gifts. Um, That is God's personality profile. Before there was a Myers-Briggs, before there was DISC, long before there was Enneagram even, were these seven gifts. This is, these seven gifts, every one of us has one of these that God is, Given us, and it's not a conflict that we avoid, it's a tension that we manage when they come together. And he uses the picture of a body of Christ. Um, my body wanted to have a cup of coffee, or I'm sorry, my head wanted a piece of a cup of coffee, and so my body does that, and grabs the cup and drinks it. This is the head saying, These seven gifts, these are, this is your part of the body, and what are the ideas of Jesus that he wants through the Holy Spirit to happen in the earth? I mean, what you're seeing with Marion is part of that. What you see with Lynn Simpson is part of that. Uh, and, and it's kind of our playbook right here versus, if you haven't found it yet, verse 9. okay, Gifts of the Spirit, these seven, so you be your version of this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, And that hope that you're joyful in, it better be a real hope, not a false one. And a real hope is only in in Christ. So that joy and that hope then allows you to be patient in affliction, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need practice, hospitality. And by the way, he keeps going, verse 14, 15, 16. It's, if you've offered yourself as a living sacrifice, then you being who you're called to be in the body of Christ will do all these things. Bless those who persecute you. I needed that word a lot this week because there are a lot of people out there persecuting us and I didn't want to bless them. I wanted to curse them. And the Lord really uh, kind of scolded me. But that's the playbook. But for today, uh, patient in affliction. I've got that underlined and, and that's what I feel like the Lord wants us to know about today. So let's pray. That's God's word. Let's pray that his word is, is alive to us right now. Jesus, Lord, would you make your word alive to us this week? Make it real. Lord, that your words would jump off of the page to become a rhema word for our own hearts, the word that's specifically for us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, In staff meeting this week, I was, uh, sorry, microphone's loud. Uh, We're we're working a lot. It's like we're doing a lot of things right now, trying to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do uh, as a church, that we haven't relaxed at all. But at one point I'm sort of like lamenting and uh, I see Shannon looking at me and uh, I'm talking about the news and how frustrating it is and how I just want it to be logical and at one point, Shannon you know, does what a good wife does, and she said to me uh, the truth. And, and what was it that you said, Shannon?
1: I said, perhaps you need to submit to the chaos, Darren.
0: <laughs> submit to the chaos. Okay. Now, here's why that was so much fun for me to hear, uh, because those are my words. <laughs> like, if you've traveled with me to a, a, a Haiti or Guatemala or anywhere around the world, uh, you know, you'll hear David, uh, Christopher will say things about what you, look when you're looking at this country, what does God see? What does Jesus see? Pray that he'll show you that. My main advice is, uh, submit to the chaos. Um, and what I mean by that is for years of going, I'd be like, man, why do I got to stay? Why is everybody all rushing around here? Why can't we all just get in a line and go in straight line? And, or why did, why is the traffic, why are they pulling out in front of me? Why is, And what I didn't realize I was doing, I really felt like the Lord showed me was, Darren, you need to submit to the chaos. Um, Because every time I'm asking that question, why is it this way or why don't they just or why don't they? I am bucking against the chaos and it's exhausting. And when I thought of that, when Shannon said that this week and reminded me of my own words, I felt like, oh, that's just another way of saying patient in affliction, submit to the chaos and as I was praying and thinking, you know, we, we've, uh, we are former horse owners. Um, but when you've got a horse that you're training, like Richard Verbosky, you know, and his uh, preacher and the horses, when you first come to a horse that you're training to ride it, they're bucking and kicking all over the place. They don't want you on them at all because everything you're doing feels chaotic to them. It feels out of control. But eventually when they relax, eventually when they submit to it, what they found out was that, hey, the person that was training me actually loves me and wants a partnership with me. And when I submit to what I thought was chaotic, it actually isn't oppressive to me. There's actually a benefit from that. And so if you're a horse person, you know, Bramblitz down in Columbia, Tennessee, you guys are horse people. Melissa Irwin, horse people. When you get on your horse, that is a horse that has been trained and, and submits to what used to feel like chaos and what now feels like, oh, no, this is just a loving uh, owner, a loving a master that wants to, me to do good and him to do good together, she to do good. patient in, in chaos. And when I was thinking about that, so that all sounds super great, right? And then, like, tomorrow's going to come and the news is going to come on again. And I'm going to be, so what does that even mean to me now? And in and, and this little passage, what I want to share with you is, the promise of patience, the process of patience, and the purpose of affliction. Like, those are the three things. I want to hit them fast, but I want you to receive this to you, that the Lord is not surprised, right? I mean, as Shannon said, he's not slow. That's what first, or Second Peter says. He's patient, but patient in affliction is, you know, it's an idea of like submitting to the, to the chaos. Um, if you were trying to describe God in one word, like what would it? be like the Bible says God is love right so I wouldn't necessarily say God is patient that would not be the first word that comes to my mind but what does 2nd Peter that Shannon just read 3 verse 9 that he is patient with you right now if you were to describe me in one word I'm assuming patient like if you're to let like I'll give you 20 words to describe me I feel like patience would be where on the list Shannon kind of low (laughs) low Bottom, probably, of the list? I mean, it's close, right? I I get a little jumpy, which is kind of embarrassing. But patient isn't necessarily uh, something that I'm really uh, good at. And what I've realized, and and by the way, you can make fun of me, by the way, for that. But how many of you, like, that's your word, uh, is patience. Uh, How about a test, by the way? You're standing, uh, let's do this test. You're sitting at a stoplight, okay? Person in front of you, the light turns green. How long do you give before you honk? half a second. Some of you, it's immediate, right? There's your little patience test. How patient are you being at the stoplight? And you can feel free to elbow your spouse or elbow each other. Uh, second part of that question, uh, how long is the honk? Is it a polite little beep or is it the, Mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus, I command you to go honk. Like it's the loud honk. Like that's a patience thing. If you're at the store, if you're at the airport, of course, pre COVID, uh, in line at the airport, do you, uh, Get in line and then you make sure you know the person on the left of you and the right of you, to make sure that your not line isn't moving any slower and you feel that sense of gratitude uh, when you get there first, yes. or that sick feeling in your stomach when there's a price check or the judgy feeling of the cashier on her first day. Like, they're, they're, like patience is not something that comes naturally to uh, to Americans like at all. Uh, I mean, every time I drive anywhere with Shannon uh, or with any of you guys for that matter and you see the person going slow in the slow lane, or in the fast lane, and you see the truck, and what do you do? It's shoot the gap. If you don't know what shoot the gap means, then you're probably a patient person. If you know what shoot the gap means, patience is probably not your strong suit. But the promise of patience. Now, here's the question that I had for me, is how do I get that in my life? Uh, Because, okay, yeah, so I shouldn't honk at at the stoplight. But if I'm still feeling the angst inside of me, that anxiety of it, the feeling of it when I'm watching that line go way faster. Like, where's that coming from inside of me? The Bible tells us, okay, God is love, right? And First Corinthians 13, 4 says that love is patient, okay? Now, again, I, if I'm trying to force that, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient while not being patient. I want to be patient faster than I'm being patient. Like none of that's working for me. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? Singular, not plural. Fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it says joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So the fruit of the Spirit is singular love, right? That means that patience joy, forbearance, either it was wrong and it should have been plural, or it's right and that that's just the description of love. Now, First 1 Corinthians 13.4 tells us that love is patient. I'm just, I believe that the fruit of the Spirit is love. God is love. If you are in Him and He is in you, then that fruit that will grow out of you will be love. And the taste of it, the, the, the scent, the texture is love, joy, patience. It's the experience of love. Now, why is that important? Because If I'm trying to grow fruit magically, if you've been around this church for any length of time, you've heard me say this. When you drive by Arrington Vineyards and you see those vines, nobody is watching vines, freaking out, trying to make grapes. No, they're just hanging in there. And when you hang in there with the the Lord every day, you're watering it. Psalm 1, a tree planted by the water. It's the Word of God in you. Slowly but surely and over time, Patience becomes a thing for you because it's part of the fruit of the spirit that's coming out of you. So next time you're at the stoplight, yeah, don't honk, right? But know that if that's happening to you, that that's a part of your life that I can say, okay, I need the water of the word to water that part of me so that my fruit looks, smells, sounds, behaves like Jesus. And when I say the promise of patience, the promise is if you water the fruit, If you take care of those vines and you just stay daily, slowly but surely, then fruit just happens. It's not something you have to force or something that you have to fake. That's the promise of patience for you. It's not a command to be obeyed as much as it is a fruit to be shared. That's the promise. Now, the process of patience, what does that even mean? Patient in affliction. James 1.4 says that, let patience, okay, James 1.4, let patience finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Patience is doing something in you. It's actually working. There is a process that patience is doing in your life. And that might mean that uh, it's, well, actually what it means, that you're going to be cle- uh, mature, complete, lacking in nothing, that that's the work of patience in your life. And when you go to Romans 8, which, I mean, I, that's a scripture that everybody's been reading this week, right? Romans eight twenty-eight. God and all things is working together, the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That that word right there, that he is in that, in fact, by the way, in verses 21, 22, 23, it actually talks about us being patient, waiting patiently for that. But that said, what is the work, this process of patience? Like, what is it that it's doing? The process is actually leading you to this thing. Uh, (laughs) My son uh, has been working on his core a lot. Now, when the gym shut down in our neighborhood, that uh, has been a little bit of a problem. But his core, because what does he want? He wants a beach bod, right? Now, uh, understand that there are also like uh, styrofoam coolers at the beach. So I have a beach bod, it's just a different, I'm communicating something different with my beach bod. but. Him, His process of patience is actually leading to something. Every day, slowly but surely. And by the way, you people, you, you guys that are in shape and you're exercising, Chris Vroman, right? Sarah Ross, you personal trainers out there. Like, you understand what that means. There is a process that patience is doing in you. You don't wake up one day. I mean, you could, I guess, if you could put one of those t-shirts on that have the fake abs, which, you know, truth is, if there was a pill, I'd probably take it, but there isn't one. And so the process of that Patience is leading you to something. Now, that said, again, tomorrow it's going to be Monday. And what does that mean for tomorrow for me? Uh, Does it mean, because in faith circles, sometimes we think that, okay, then process and patience is I need to be all day long ignoring the fear, ignoring the anxiety, ignoring the sadness, ignoring. And that doesn't do anything except for stuff it down. And anybody that works in any sort of a mental health world knows that. That's coming up one way or the other, right? So stuffing it isn't it. Patient in, a, in affliction, like the process of patience, doesn't mean ignoring the facts. In crisis, facts are your friends. Like, it's actually not a bad thing. But ask yourself, so when you see it tomorrow, later today, that feeling, and you think, okay, I'm not being patient, ask yourself another question, which is, what am I feeling here? Like, is it fear? Uh, is it hurt? Is it anger? Like, I think back to, we're coming home from Israel on March 1st. Nobody saw this coming. In those early days, I felt uh, robbed of, like, I have these plans. We're doing this stuff. And now the fear is, like, of the future and this anxiety. Instead of ignoring that, take it to the Father in prayer. That's, I mean, half the book of Psalms is David saying, I am afraid, I, I am screwed, this is not going well. And then taking it to the Father, and the Father So when you submit to the chaos, then submit your chaos to Christ. And in doing so, that fear isn't a sin to be repented of. It's a thing that God has given us to to recognize there's danger. And what fear does is cause you to move towards what is good. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of uh, of wisdom. Because now I know, I'm afraid of this. I'm going to go to the Lord with it and not to anxiety. And you know what? Some practical tips. I mean, when you're feeling that, like when I'm feeling it, a a lot of times, probably most times, that feeling of fear that's coming out as anger or I'm snapping at or I'm freaking out or I'm doing the Facebook uh, in all caps post, there's a hurt there somewhere. There's an anger. There's a a fear. Take it to the Lord and let him show you what it is. And a tip that uh, this is Henry Cloud and Stephen Moore combined into one tip here. For you, you could do this literally today. Make some columns, okay, a piece of paper. On the one side, write the things that I cannot control, okay? For me, that would be the news. That would be every one of these talking heads that are saying crazy things. Uh, And then on the other side, write the things I can control. I can control the situation in my home. I can control how much I'm going to be in the Word. I can control the attention I'm going to give to my children. Now, those two lists together, look at that and think, How much time am I spending on the things I can't control? How much time am I spending on the things I can control? And make sure, I mean, look, give yourself a discipline. I'll give myself 10 minutes today to focus on what I can't control. Like literally, if you got that information from Twitter now versus three hours from now, does it really matter? Make yourself a discipline in that, that process of, of, of patience that wants to do something in you. And if we keep short circuiting it by feeding our souls with all the stuff we can't control, it doesn't help us. So put that in that column. And then in this other column, look at the things that you can spend time on that. You know, I've been out walking in the neighborhood. If you live in Falls Grove, you've seen the Sasquatch. It's actually me. So no cause for alarm out there walking. I mean, I walked like 10 and a half miles yesterday, praying and walking and preparing for the sermon. I'm seeing out in my neighborhood, people that are socially distant. So don't, you know, don't panic in their neighborhoods with each other. They can control that. They can control the time they're spending with their family. Those are the things that if we're spending most of our time on that, that's a tip. Last one, third tip. Write the list of everything that God has delivered you from in the past. Mm -hmm. I think back, Shannon, the things that he's delivered us from, those, uh, like, I can't believe that happened because it's a reminder that we keep using the word unprecedented. I mean, that's kind of true, but it's not. This world has have seen many trials and tribulations before. We will get through this. We will. Now, God knows what will be on the other side of it. We know that God has gone before us. But looking back to the ways that God has delivered you in the past, and I bet if you're like most people, you look at that list, it'll be blank for a little bit, but then you'll start filling it in, and then you'll start remembering, oh, which is why the Bible tells us, you know, forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, because he knew that we would forget. So that's the, the process of patience. It's, it's a process that's doing something to you. And then lastly, the purpose of affliction. In Romans 8, 28, that passage I just read, it says that we are called, and then those lines, according to his purpose. Like there's a purpose in this. And what is the purpose? Now, I want you to know that if someone is telling you this is why God did this and he's and they use like one singular thing, that's probably not true. Uh, God's doing a million things all at once. And if you're aware of one or two of them, you're going to be lucky. Uh, in the middle of Job, when God is talking to Job and Job is asking why this happened to him, uh, it's not lost on me that he tells his friends, these Job's friends, hey, this, it's not because you didn't have enough faith. It's not because you're not holy. And he tells his friends, go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. But then he looks to Job, and in the longest recorded statement of God in the Bible, like God, just one uninterrupted statement, he answers Job, and he tells him, did you put the stars in the sky? Did you put the Leviathan in the sea? Did you hang the world on nothing? Of course, the answer is no. So notice what God doesn't do there. He doesn't actually tell him why. He just tells him his resume. I'm God. Now, is God being like a buzzkill? No, I don't think so. Try to explain this to your three-year-old. What's happening in the world right now, try to explain it to your three-year-old. Right? It's just not going to go anywhere. You're not trying to hold out on them. They just, they're, not, they're not there yet. And when we talk about in eternity, we'll know, I'll fully know as I'm fully known. It's almost like there's some kind of a spiritual puberty that we're going to go through. When suddenly everything that looks really awful is all of a sudden looks really beautiful. Like if you're a teenager right now and you're 14, 15 years old, remember when you were at 9 or 10 and, and dad said, oh, that girl's kind of cute, right? And you're like, ew, gross, like girls, right? And then something happens, somewhere around 12, 13, depending on how old you are, when all of a sudden you're like, that I'd like to see that. Uh, I'd like to see her again. She's really pretty. I'd like to know her. I'd like, in other words, that thing that was so gross when you're young, all of a sudden it's not. Like I, it's, it's, I think there's a thing about that in the scriptures. That, that This stuff that we see right now that seems so gross and seems so, un, I can't understand any of this. That in eternity we'll look at it and go, oh, it's beautiful with that, what's happening there. There's a spiritual puberty in it. The purpose of affliction, okay? We don't know ultimately why God chose to do it this way. But we can know this. That there are going to be some things on earth in our earthly existence that are going to be made better mm-hmm. and there are some things in our eternal so when he says all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose the good that it happens in our world our earthly existence is that you can look around and see in our neighborhoods you mm-hmm. can look and see that we're loving each mm-hmm. other better yeah. uh, there's a wall street journal article that travis turner sent to me that after Uh, the great depression of the thirties that the divorce rate in America plummeted because suddenly in the middle of of that, I'm not looking at my wife thinking, Oh, it's all about her making me feel good. It's all about me being good, but it's about a teamwork and family work. God does that kind of stuff. There was another piece in the journal this week. Uh, Is this the world's next great awakening? And this guy went back in history and showed how many of the world's great revivals literally happened in Mm -hmm. or right after a major pandemic economic crash God's not going to waste this on this side of heaven. I don't believe he will. I already know he's using it. On this side of heaven, he's using it. And they say that, you know, character is either uh, in trouble, that uh, it makes you stronger. The old Kelly Clarkson song, what doesn't kill you, make you stronger. There are those that say that these struggles will make you stronger, that that's what it's for. And there are those who say that it doesn't make you stronger. It actually reveals what is already within you. And I would say the answer is probably yes to both of those things. That... It does reveal what's inside of you and it does make you stronger in the middle of it. Um, and when I say what it makes you uh, reveal what's in you, uh, if you take a bite of an apple, the only way you're gonna know uh, that it is good apple, whatever, you take a bite of it. And in these moments it's like a bite being taken out of your apple and now I can say, oh I really have some work to do on my patience in this. I really have some work to do in fear here. I really have some work for the gardener for Jesus to do in those things in us. And the last thing I want to say is this, uh, this last little segment. In 1 Kings chapter 6, uh, Solomon is building the temple. And in the temple, he says that no stones were taken in where they were chiseled or hammered in the temple. They were all put in the quarry. And that's where they were chiseled. That's where they were hammered. And, that's where, and then they were brought to the temple to be built as the temple. So that no sound of a hammer, no sound of a chisel was heard in the temple. This earth is our quarry. You are living stones, that's what Peter tells us, being built into the house of God. So those things that are being chipped away from you right now, those things being broken off of you right now, is building you and I into these perfect stones that are gonna be put into a temple called eternity with God, where there will be, the revelation tells us, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. Mm. The chisels and the hammers for here working on you so that you and I one day will be presented in heaven together as this perfect Amen. temple there. Now that said, all of those things sound real great. <sighs> but if, you're, if, you've, if you've been around horses, okay, a horse that is trained to be ridden, what are they called? They're called broke, broken. Uh, if, if you're horse people, like, is that horse broke? Can I, which means, can I ride it? And I say that because what you feel like might be breaking you, God is saying, oh, no, no, that's not to break you at all. That's just to partner with you. Mm. And those things that you think are broken is actually you being made into the image of who I am. Romans eight twenty eight. 28, uh, right before those verses, what is the ultimate good that he wants to do for us? It's not every bad thing you get a good thing. It says he's being making you into the image of who he is. I'm conforming you into The image of Christ. And how we can trust him, how we know we can trust him, is because he was broke during communion. His body was broken for you. And what that means is that if you're going to choose somebody to ride, right, that's going to take you and take control of you as a horse, you better make sure that it's somebody who's good. Because the enemy, the kingdoms of this world, they want to take control. They want to ride you all the way to your death. And God's oh, no, no, I want to ride you all the way to life. You know that a a bad rider on a horse could actually kill that horse because a horse will go as far as they're told to go. And they will literally dehydrate and die if the rider isn't good and doesn't know what he or she is doing. He wants you to be made into his image. And the way that we know that he's good is that he himself was broken. His body was broken for you. And if you're watching right now, and you're in the kingdom of God, and you're a follower of Jesus, submit to the chaos today. And then submit that chaos to Christ, who wants to use it for your good. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, understand that you're being ridden to your death. Like, literally, you've got a rider who wants to ride you to your death. The enemy comes not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And maybe today, kick that rider off and invite Jesus to be in your life in that way. In Acts 26, verse 19, Paul is telling his story of salvation. And he says that he heard a voice, 26, verse 19, from heaven speaking to him in Aramaic. And it says, Paul, why are you kicking against the goad? Right, The goad doesn't it doesn't make any sense for us. But it was a term there for an oxen, something that was poking and prodding him towards something. And every time the ox kicks against it, it actually makes it worse for the ox. And God's saying to Saul, look, you're kicking against the goad. And what was, how was Saul doing that? Um, a callous murderer, th- a thieving, lying. If, if that's you in your life right now, you're kicking against the goad. But that, that's all those things that are driving you towards that that took you there. God doesn't want to use that to steer you towards your death, but towards, towards life. And today, if you're there, if you're in fear, you're in panic, uh, you're just tired of doing it on your own, that's what he said to Saul. Isn't it exhausting to kick against the goats? Isn't it just exhausting? When that horse, it's such a beautiful thing. If you've ever seen a horse broke, when he finally, when she finally submits and relaxes, and it's this beautiful partnership between the, the rider and the horse, would you today consider that to just submit to Christ he loves you he wants you to be a part of his and when you think about it the word patient the etymology of the word patient pati is the latin word and it means to suffer like that so why if you go to the doctor and you're called a patient that's why because you are suffering so when it says God is patient it means God himself suffered suffers and of course, he suffers physically, as, as, a, as Jesus did on the cross, slain before the foundations of the earth in some sort of time warp way that I can't possibly understand. But patient also in that if you've ever loved somebody and they didn't love you back, mm. there's a suffering in that. Mm. Now, God could snap his fingers right now and make us all love him and do whatever. But he didn't want you to be a robot. He wanted you to be his wife, his spouse, his relationship is love and love inherently means risk inherently it means that there's a risk of pain when it says that God is patient right he's not slow he is suffering because he loves you so much and he's just waiting for you to submit to that and to come to him i want to pray for you right now mm-hmm. and if it's you watching it with your sunday morning or you're watching it sometime years from now i don't know would you say to jesus today i'm submitting my chaos to you I'm submitting to this chaos I'm submitting it to you and then to invite him to be a part of your life to come in to be as the bible says born again like from the inside out that's what he wants to do from you today if there's anything we've learned right now we have no control over this planet none but God has the whole world in his hands and the God that is big enough to hold the world in his hands is also small enough to see you and to take your hand so I want to pray for you Right now, Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for... You suffer with us, Ida. Patient, you're patient with us. Long-suffering. Because you want all of us to come to repentance. And so right now, there are those that I believe that you're you're drawing them to you right now. Patiently waiting and suffering while you wait for them to say yes to you. Lord, I pray that today they would open their hearts, and invite you in today. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for that. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer right now, would you just, and by the way, you're gonna, if you do this later, you're going you're gonna to not do it because you'll, you'll panic and you won't do it. You'll chicken out. Right now, info at conduitchurch.com. Just info at conduitchurch.com. And someone would love to pray with you. Just email that, and we'll get back in touch with you immediately. And someone would love to pray with you and get to know you, especially if you're in the Nashville area. And if you're not in Nashville, I know people all over this world. We can introduce you to somebody right where you are. Now, that said, prayer requests. Have you guys been putting your prayer requests in the uh, in the comment section? Because we want to be praying with you right now with that. And so, um, Joel, have you, have you been keeping those for me? We- we want to pray with you right now so joel is putting those in for me um, shannon would you start with a prayer and then and then i'll pray as well and if you guys feel led pray as well but i'll just i'll end us. but just sure. as the lord leads
1: mm-hmm. lord i'm so thankful for this time that we could be together lord even though we're not physically together lord i know that you have joined us in your spirit and something that just kept coming to me as as darren was sharing is to not be afraid of the pain of, of the affliction and the suffering, that it's part of the process that God is using to, to mold us and to shape us and to make us stronger and to build that character. And Lord, I just pray that we would be um, grace-filled, that we would recognize the grace that you have given us and the patience that you have given us in our journeys, Lord, and that we could extend that same grace to others. Lord, I thank you so much that you see us, that you see all of us where we are, and that you recognize that and help us to be aware of those in our communities and our own households and those that we should be um, sensitive to, Lord, and recognize the gift that's before us, Lord, in this time. Thank you, Lord, that you see and that you hear and that you are our justifier, our vindicator, and our provider in all things.
0: Lord, we lift, um, specifically right now, uh, Nick Emrath, who's a pilot. He's flying to Asia. He's flying all over the world, flying probably supplies. He's a less cargo planes he's been feeling sick he's about to fly to anchorage and back to hong kong lord would you be with nick and be with rachel and the children as nick is out in the world right now would you be with them mm-hmm. uh and heal them lord just that's mm-hmm. the prayer like supernaturally sure. heal them uh, tasha caldwell <laughs> lord i love tasha because she's over there like literally sick and uh, and she's actually asking for prayer for the salaries have been taken salary cuts and teens who've lost their job and those are so we do, Lord, for those right now who mm-hmm. are, uh, have lost their jobs, have lost their source of income, maybe mm-hmm. today, Lord, uh, supernaturally give them a peace and just do what you promised to do for every single one of them in here and mm-hmm. around the world. Those who are trapped in India right now, we think a lockdown is bad. Here, they literally are getting arrested if they go outside in Nepal Lord, that's a whole different level. Would you be with them, those who are without food and without medical care right now, and, and, and heal them and provide for them? And Lord, for Tasha as well. She's home now, out of the hospital again, but that whatever's happening inside, this has been just a long journey. And I believe, Lord, that you are still in the healing business, yeah. you're still in the miracle right. business. Mm -hmm. would you do that for Tasha right now? Just, you said, that's the size of a mustard seed. Lord, that's nothing at all. No faith at all is required for that. They would move mountains. Mm -hmm. Would you do that today? And Tasha and everyone else who's feeling physical sickness, uh, Brandon and Jennifer, their dear friends and neighbors, Brady's, they're anxiously awaiting a, a birth of a child. There's actually a few of our conduits right now awaiting for a, uh, a, a birth to come, and that's an uncertain time for those that are expecting children. But, Lord, you, it's, you, in Romans 8, we're actually talking about childbirth. That whole thing that goes into A28 is about childbirth. You know childbirth. <laughs> and we pray that them, uh, that every other family in our church family right now and near our family that is expecting that you would be with them, uh, including Katie Newman, Lord, who's about to experience a, a birth as well. And Lord, for our church family, here and around the world, we believe that you are the king. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We believe that you are returning soon, we hope. It sure seems like it. It sure doesn't seem like it's 500 years from now, that's for sure. And for those of us that are expecting anxiously your return, on a horse, by the way, how cool is that, uh, that you will come maybe even today, Lord. Lord. Pray that your spirit is here. Your spirit is all around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.